Starring Mike Murray. This is Bessonnel. 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 By the numbers. 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 SNL returns. Jacob Elordi is hot. That's pretty much it. <laughs> There's the opening haiku for you guys. We are covering episode 957 of Saturday Night Live. My name is Mike Murray from the SNN. Welcome to By the Numbers in 2024, the one and only home for SNL stats. My first guest returning. He was here almost a year ago, exactly, covering the Sam Smith episode hosted by Aubrey Plaza. It is Sam Smith. Welcome back to the program. It's so good to be back, uh, Mike. And I can't believe it's been a year. That shocked me when you said that. Um, not as good, and not as not not a, di- a different tier level of episode that we're covering today. But um, I'm glad to be back on my favorite podcast in the world. Thank you so much. We're happy to have you back. I mean, Sam Smith wasn't the musical guest this week, but it was another alliterative artist, Renee R. That's right. Yeah, here we go. And also coming back for the second time, she was with me when Travis Kelsey hosted. He was just a tight end for the Chiefs back then. It is Kirsten Ryola. Welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. Calling in from cold Canada, where it is one degree. And that's Celsius, and I'm not going to th- say things in Fahrenheit anymore. It's just Celsius. No, we don't need you to. We, we can do the conversion rate mentally in America. We're pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Googling it right now as I pretend. No. Yeah, there's like, a, there's like a weird fraction you got to do. Yeah. So do, you know, they, do you know what, Kirsten? Do, do you know Fahrenheit? No. Okay, yeah, don't, don't bother. I mean... Just add about 35 to whatever it is, I think is about it. Yeah, I mean, do you remember that uh, Nate Bargatze, George Washington sketch? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which I think is still my number one sketch of the season um, about, you know, weights and measures. So, yeah. Going by miles and quarts and gallons, you know, really worked out for us here in the States. Truly. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, it's it's cold in Boston too. And breaking news today, uh, we have Io Edabari hosting SNL two episodes from now from my hometown. So she's coming to the show from the hit series The Bear. Have you guys seen that show, Sam or Kirsten? No, no, I've I've seen her stand up a little bit. I'm sort of <laughs> from aware of it, and I think she she definitely. Uh, kicks Boston's ass and her stand up a little bit, but I'm glad we <laughs> we have a hometown hero on 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 the show coming up. I just hope she doesn't say what she said about Boston on SNL. <laughs> yeah, we don't do Boston slander here. Kirsten, have you seen the bear? <laughs> uh I've seen a bit of it, but I will say it's it's on my list. I saw Bottoms, so I saw her in that. She's hilariously funny. Um and our hometown hero is Maddie Matheson because he's Toronto based and has restaurants all over town. The, the um, big chef. That's right. Yeah, he's an actual chef. He's a fantastic chef. In uh, is very well known and, and very talented. So how he's do, our you, how do you know he's a fantastic chef? Because he makes delicious food. He has but restaurants I mean, all over town. Oh, they're all. Oh, so you've had his restaurants. I see. I yeah, see. yeah. He's got I, restaurants, I cookbooks, everything. Yeah. 
because I love like uh, like Julia Child and and all these people, and I realize I've never actually experienced what they make, so I I have no idea if they're good, but they, oh. it looks good. He's got Prime Seafood Palace. He's got Maddie's Patties. If you just want to go grab a burger, it's yeah. If you're nice. in Toronto, you have many options to go eat his actual food. Yeah, this is the yeah. Canadian Guy Fieri. Yeah, and a little more likable guy. Fieri. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's an there's an SNL episode where Guy Fieri is unacknowledgedly in the audience for the monologue <laughs> for just just yeah, stopping just, by. He he's just there. That like he's not a cameo. He just just taken in an SNL. And it's show. not a lookalike. He's just there. No, just 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 guy. Just you know, being guy. I think yeah. they probably want he wanted them to notice him and they didn't on purpose. Yeah, I love that. I love that they didn't take the bait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Bobby Moynihan did play Guy Fieri in SNL before. Mm. Yeah. We really have so, bad celebrities in this in the United States. Just rotten. Anyway. So we're we're talking about Jacob Elordi, Renee Rapp, and if you watch this program regularly, you know we always open with screen time of the episode. We're gonna get to it, but there is something that needs to be addressed on this podcast network that I need some opinions from the chat, from my beautiful guests, and we need to get to the bottom of it. So there was a sketch this week. It was the AA women's meeting sketch. And something occurred during that sketch that was edited on YouTube. So if you go watch it right now, you won't see it, you won't hear it. But of course, I take my stats from the live feed because sometimes on YouTube you get the dress version and like we at this network view live show as canon and that is gospel to the stats. And there was a line delivered by Jacob Alordi. Kirsten, do you have a, you have a question? No, I thought you were going to say Molly's line. Oh, tell me about that quick. The dicking of a lifetime? <laughs> great line great line. Ed- great line yeah i don't know if it was edited out i hope not i hope not what did he say that got edited it wasn't what he said per se it was what was caught on the mic so we are gonna go low brow to start this podcast <laughs> and i'm gonna play you a line and i need sam and Kirsten to tell me was this a fart here is the line I don't know if I'm replacing one drug with another, and I don't want to be too graphic. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to play it one more time, and then I'm going to ask each of you, was it a fart? I don't know if I'm replacing one drug with another, and I don't want to be too graphic. (laughs) Uh, Kirsten. I did hear it in the moment, now that I hear it again. And I recall quickly looking at the faces of the people around him and him to see if any guilt or, you know, hilarity was going to ensue and people covered pretty well. So I was like, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't, but I think it was. Oh, so you heard it in the moment. I did. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God. I like it had more bass in the moment though. Let me, cause I, I, I have all these uh, all these audio clips. I have the edited version. I just realized. Hold on. Let me just. One drug with another. And I don't want to be too graphic. Nothing, right? Nothing. It's edited. It's a, and, it's a fart. 
if if I put my ear close, let me let me try again. With another, and I don't want to be too graphic. Please do. It's so small. You can you'd have to be in the room to hear it. You can hear it still in the distance. So they must have cut somebody's mic to edit it. So it's got to be right. Uh, I mean, I I know. Here's how I know it was a fart. When I heard it, I made this face, but uncontrollably, (laughs) like I winced to as if to plug my nose. But I could. I had no control over it. So it's got to be some human response that just naturally knows what he hears. You know. They co- everyone I, covered it really well. Because I was thinking it, it made me think how SNL's crew is unbelievable. Like, and you never hear a sneeze from the audience or a cough, you know, some uncontrollable sound. But this was picked up on a microphone. Like, this was somebody on stage. And so I will play devil's advocate. It, it could have been, you know, some technical sound. But I did also isolate the fart sound or alleged fart sound. So we're, we're going to hear um, it a couple times before we move on to some stats and just hear just that sound. All right. Oh, great. I'll this sample is amazing. It. I don't want to be too great. I don't want to be too great. I don't want to be too great. I don't want to be too crap. I don't want to be too. It is a beat. Yeah. If you, if you sample it right, you've got a great beat. All right. So all right. So Sam, uh, yay or nay on fart? Just by just by what what my face naturally did without my control, I'm going fart. Um, but I I appreciate the devil's advocate because it also you know it it could be some it does it could be a wire ripping or something. Yeah, but I, it's most likely a fart ripping. Okay, Kirsten, yay or nay on fart? Yay. Okay, it's. <laughs> The, the eyes have it. <laughs> the tribunal has ruled. God, I wish this could be a weekly segment, but we can't yeah. control that. I, I, I'm glad it's not, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. <laughs> be great to do it with just completely non-related sounds. Just hoping, you know, was it a fart? Was it not? It could be a weekly thing. Do you know what I'm going to do? A very My husband one. is a foley artist. I'm going to get back to you on this, but I'm going to ask him. Oh, okay, I, I will. I will email yeah. you the fart, which is something you I've email never said. Email me the fart, and uh, and I will ask a foley artist. <laughs> yeah, uh, you see, you see in me in the response if you can, Kirsten. Yeah. Uh, yes, we need closure. <laughs> I know I need it. I can't move on. Our friend Darren in the chat said, uh, "This uh, this conspir- this conspiracy theory needs to be called Fartgate." from here on out so i agree all All right right. i'm gonna try to resolve Fartgate for everyone thank you you're you're doing the lord's work so we're gonna move on to screen time so episode season uh, so season 49 episode 9 here we go our host jacob alordi in eight sketches appeared for 16 minutes 26 seconds cast leader bowen yang nine minutes 15 seconds great night for him Chloe Feynman, 7.44. Musical guest, Renee Rapp, 7 minutes, 38 seconds. Heidi Gardner, 7 minutes, 32. Ego Wodum, 6 minutes, 33. James Austin Johnson, 5.55. The bulk of that in the cold open as Trump. Michael Che, 5 minutes, 15. Devin Walker with a great update appearance as South Carolina uh, Senator Tim Scott, 5 minutes, 6. Mikey Day, 4 minutes 50. Punky Johnson, 424. Colin Jost, 341. 
Chloe Trost, three minutes, 18 seconds. Sarah Sherman, three minutes, 13 seconds. She did not get as much applause as Bowen. Molly Carney, they had two minutes, 44. Marcelo, two minutes, six seconds. Cameo, Rachel McAdams introduced Renee Rapp, second performance, and appeared in a sketch. Two minutes, zero seconds. Keenan, 135. Bismukes, 131. Meg the Stallion, 122. Michael Longfellow, 26 seconds only. Writers, Rosebud Baker, 13 seconds, and Alex English in the monologue, 12 seconds. And Steve Higgins with a quick three seconds of voice work. So, Kirsten, give me your... I haven't talked to you in almost a year. Give me your take on the episode and how you think the cast and the season's been. Any performances you want to highlight? Any of that stuff. All right. Uh, They had to book Jacob Elordi. He's very popular right now. Hollywood heartthrob. So it made sense. I think he'll be better the next time he's on. I don't think it was bad, but I think he's been doing this for five years only. He's a kid. So he showed up well. I think it'll be even better if he's asked back. Uh, I enjoyed how much we saw certain cast members in this particular episode, and it feels like we saw Ego more than her numbers reflect. And it feels like we saw... Uh, who else? Uh, Punky more. Like, there's a few people that felt like they had more presence, and I was completely shocked that Longfellow and Keenan weren't shown more. That feels very uh, rare for Keenan not to be around. I even wondered if he had not been there, but he he was. We saw him um, uh, for just a moment. Um, overall, I mean, I I rarely complain about the show because I love this show, and I think it's been a great season 49 uh and they're booking some fantastic people so uh i've been enjoying it i'm happy uh i love seeing more bowen i love seeing more chloe Feynman. i love all these people so i'm i'm thrilled i really don't have complaints awesome i mean looking at this list it's gonna be one of the like weirdest most unique screen time lists i've ever compiled because look at the top five cast members. We have Bowen, Chloe, Heidi, Ego, uh, JJ. And then we have a couple of the um, featured players. And we have Punky up top. Like We don't see Punky up top too often. I was doing my analysis today. Um, first of all, shout out to Molly. They hit one, career, one hour of career screen time. And um, Devin did last episode. So now... And then this goes on to Michael Longfellow. Um, he's... He's been sub two minutes for seven out of nine episodes. So something's going on with uh, our friend Mikey Long's. You know, we're, we're huge uh, Mikey Long's fans here. Something's going on there. And Punky Johnson, like I mentioned up top, uh, third most screen time of her career. That's 60 episodes. So this is where this is uh, her 66. Sorry, reverse that third best episode out of 68. Um, third highest career screen time for Chloe Feynman. Bowen Yang, sixth time in his career, he's led the cast. And all his uh, leading screen time episodes have occurred in the last 26 shows. So just kind of goes to show that Bowen is basically the, the, the star of the cast right now. And as Kirsten alluded to, this is uh, the 13th consecutive episode without a single cast member being shut out. So everyone's getting to play in the sandbox here. Everyone's getting a turn, some more than others, week to week. And I also noticed it's the sixth episode in a row where everyone has appeared 
um, through update. So between the start of the show and update, you see all 17 people on screen, which I think is cool because we did go through an era where we had stars and we had kind of background players like Kyle and Melissa, who we kept begging to see more of, and now they're no longer with the cast. So I want to ask you, Sam, are you more in favor or your preference is to see more of a team SNL or do you like like the original SNL or the previous era of SNL where we have leading stars, Kate, Cecily, AD, Pete, and then you kind of have the rest of the cast? Because I can make arguments for both, but what's your opinion? It's a good question because, you know, the last time I watched an SNL episode more than once was for our get together last episode mike you and i uh, were talking about the aubrey plaza one so this is the second time i've watched an episode of snl uh more than once as if it's like reading a book or something like that and it's too what's what's fun about it is i'm that's just occurring to me as you ask this question is that if if i had just tuned in for that episode of with aubrey plaza versus this one i would have said the, the lead is someone completely different. For the Aubrey Plaza one, I would have said, oh, this is a show that stars uh, Sarah Sherman. Um, who's the guy that played uh, Shannon Sharp? Devin Walker. Devin Walker and Bowen Yang and, and Mikey Day. And this episode, I would say, oh, no, this is a show that's, that stars Ego Wodum, Heidi Gardner, and Bowen Yang. Um, and it's just fun that you can depending on what saturday you tune into have a completely different experience of who the top dogs are and who the featured players are it feels like it freely changes so i would say that's a fun thing um but i i do recognize that in both of those episodes bowen was the standout um and uh and yeah just just what a talent Bowen Bowen is, particularly. I felt like this was his episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. w- one of his best episodes, he was everywhere, as I mentioned, you know, in the in the monologue. I, I do, and we do power rankings on the show. We'll talk about that at the, at the end of the night. But I, I put some emphasis when someone is recognizable enough as themselves. So we had Sarah Sherman pop in and Bowen Yang pop in and like they're being themselves they're they're dressed in their own clothing and they're using their own voice you know we had Keenan play a wacky elephant owner as well but you know we right. we, we had Sarah and Bowen there um you know either like Pete on update or Leslie on update like things like that are i think uh coveted on SNL to be able to pop in the desk and deliver your own stand up or your own opinions so Kirsten what what do you think about this era of SNL that seems more like a synergy era than the one we just left. I love it. Ideas and creativity come from everywhere and everyone. So this, you know, collaborative, more unified group kind of just feels better and it feels nice. It feels less egotistical on behalf of people who may have been on the cast and kind of really the star of the show, so to speak. So I think there's probably, uh, it's a different type of performer um, where we're not, you know, putting just a few people on a pedestal and we've got more of a, a group effort. Um, I personally prefer that. I think it makes for more interesting viewing, more interesting ideas that come forth. Um, we get to see 
people grow and become better because they're getting more opportunities. So I prefer that because Sam, to your point, based on the writing and the sketches and what happens to get on air, you're going to see some of them more than others. So that's naturally going to happen, but you don't even get a chance if that's the way you operate. Totally. Totally. And, and, um, what's, what's fun about the, the screen time here, looking at this, the, the screen time is, um, it either confirms or goes against your, your feeling of the show of who was the star that night. Um, I realized though, a question to you, Mike is, uh, with JAJ, do you feel like they're, they're somewhat conscious of the screen time thing? Uh, keeping it balanced episode to episode. In other words, do you feel that they're they're actively trying to episode by episode have a have a star of that show, particular show, and supporting characters of that particular show? It, it's a fantastic question and one that I think about probably every week when I do stats. And I think the answer is yes and no. It's yes because. Everyone's got to get fed, you know, like on a football team, you know, everyone should touch the ball and get them going because if you haven't handed the ball to running back in four series, then, you know, they're going to get cold. So you want to get people in the game, but no as well, because we know that they do the table read, you know, it's usually they, the table read picks come out on social media, like while we're doing the show on Wednesday nights and they're bringing in so many sketches that feature different individuals and who knows what's going to get picked. So there could be eight sketches that are great Bowen pieces and they might move on to the next round and they might eventually go, well, we just had, we can't have every sketch be about Bowen or, and on, on the, on the you know worst side, we could have a great piece from Molly Carney or Michael Longfellow on update that makes it to dress and then gets cut. So there's not a conscious effort to have people be shut out or be starring, but I think for sure the writers and the cast are working to get everybody involved. And as someone who does the stats and they're like the most empirical data, like no subjectivity, I think I, I, we should applaud SNL for how um, equitable they've been. Um, Cause every time the screen time graphic gets posted, by the um, Saturday Night Network on Instagram. You have people in the comments being like, more this person, more that person. Why are they, you know, you can never ever win the game. But this is an episode where like, you really saw like diversity through the numbers because people who are usually at the bottom were close to the top and vice versa. And that's to my next point before we move on is um, Keenan Thompson. Someone who is an SNL stats darling who dominates every stat that I do. This was his lowest screen time in literally 40 months. So, you know, over three years. And I did um, subtract the ones he was absent for the hit NBC sitcom Keenan. He was away filming that. So he did miss two episodes. But this was only Keenan's ninth episode with under two minutes in the past five and a half seasons. So, for someone like Punky Johnson, she just had her third best episode and just, you know, her total was 424. Like, uh, Punky's only had a, a, uh, over five minutes twice in her career. Keenan does that in his sleep. So this is an interesting storyline I've been doing every week. 
And I want to ask you, you two, because I haven't talked to you all year on SNL, is do you think Keenan is being dialed back a little bit to let others shine? Kirsten, what do you think? It's a good one. I don't, I wouldn't know if it's a conscious dialing back. I might say that there is greater trust and relationship between writer and performer teams. Cause Keenan has often been like a safety blanket of sorts where we can throw to him, we get a face, we can put him in there. He's going to be great, whether it's last minute or it's a wacky character. Like he's, he's just great at coming in and, and I don't know if it's saving the day, but you've got all these new performers who are proving themselves at being very adept at all of these things. And so naturally we get to see more of them, which means we, they develop fan bases. And again, people are requesting that they uh, see more of them, which perpetuates more work for them. And so it's a good thing. We see them more, we like them. So the writers get excited about them and they're writing more material for them, uh, you know, however their relationships work there. So I don't, I would like to think it's not a conscious thing that like he didn't share the wealth. Um, I think it's more that due to this equitable um, vibe that's happening right now, it's a natural byproduct of it. Yeah, well said. And I, I've been somebody, I'm a big Keenan fan. I you know, will not be ashamed to say that I'm a big Keenan fan, but he is in his 21st season. He, he passed Daryl Hammond's record for most seasons years ago. Seemingly no end in sight. So although I love Keenan, I talk about him a lot in the show because of, by nature, this being a stat show. And last season was his 20th year. And the season before that, his 19th year. And he dominated everything. And we talked a lot of positively about Keenan as he's having like kind of like Mikey Day, like a career renaissance later in his career. And I would comp him to Tom Brady. He played from 2000 to 2022. Keenan's getting to that level of he knows the answers of the test basically before he takes the test. He can do anything. He excels at every aspect of the show. But in season 49 that we're in, there has been a noticeable drop off. And we'll see the power rankings later. He slipped again this week in the uh, overall average. So before we move on, Sam, do you have any opinions on Keenan year 21? I do, specifically with this episode, which, you know, maybe we should come up with a name for this kind of episode where the host is so attractive that almost every sketch has to acknowledge that fact, um, specifically a male host. Um, so, so. If you look at the list of the um, the sketches that they did, I just have a list here, and you think to yourself, if you're casting and you're writing, well, where would Keenan fit in this sketch about lip readers on Entertainment Tonight? Uh, where would he fit into the, let's say, the Short King Bachelor episode? You realize that almost every sketch is surrounded by this guy either being attractive or young or in some relationship, like... Um, with a woman or being hounded by a bunch of women. So you realize Keenan's uh, role, therefore, would only have to be very back burner, maybe the creepy guy watching the younger people, which he kind of was in that sketch and in the cold open with the elephant, you know. But comedically, it's just he's not going to fit in anywhere to that, that uh, what do you call it? zeitgeist or i don't know i'm trying to use a fancy word but uh i figured that that's probably the reason so 
maybe to solve this, you could find other episodes that similarly have like a Chalamet cute boy star and, and see if Keenan's numbers are similar. Cause I would imagine they would be. Yeah. I mean, for Chalamet the first time, that was one of the episodes that Keenan was absent for. Cause we talked about the Chalamet comparison um, mm-hmm. when he hosted again this year, but that's a great pivot, Sam, because as we move on, uh, Sam's going to lead a segment in a moment, but looking at Chloe Feynman, um, this being a great episode for her, I looked at her top five episodes that she like scored really high in, and it was Reggae Jean Page. It was um, obviously Jacob Elordi this week, and um, it was Pedro Pascal. It was like all like so. Basically, my thesis was when there's like a hot guy, a hot dude episode. Kirsten is now fanning herself. Um, me naming these these individuals. Um, so yeah, oh yeah, and uh, Michael B. Jordan. So so I said when there's a hot dude episode, place your bets on Chloe F. Because I and uh, like Sam mentioned the content. So there was actually a piece in the Atlantic by Esther Zuckerman on Sunday, critical of SNL's writing revolving around the host being attractive. You know, we're kind of in this this like post me too this kind of how do we write you know women should write for women and you know uh, i know kirsten you you host um some storytelling by women right mm-hmm. yeah so it's and now we have this kind of this uh boomerang or pendulum of like are we into kind of i don't want to say debase or anything but just this kind of reductive energy around attractive young men Kirsten, what do you think about that? I will admit that if, and I had considered a role reversal, that if this was some young ingenue and we swapped her and put men around her in the same way that we did, like the AA episode, it would be highly inappropriate. So I don't know if this will age well for that reason. Um, It's, I don't know if... You know, we're still at baby steps with the way that women write about how they interact with men, and we've got to catch up to that. SNL is often smarter than that. The AA one, it had some great lines, but it I'm kind of surprised that that is, to me, the example of one that didn't need to be on there for the reasons you've described. Like, we... Poor guy, again, he's a young guy. It's It seemed like it was only about his looks. And I think he's proven himself to be, you know, a decent actor. Um, so how does he feel? He's probably too young to advocate for anything else. He's just enjoying this. But that's also the complication around men going, yeah, look at all this attention. When women who would say, like, I don't know if I want all this attention. So there's some very strange male-female dynamics happening. And I would like to see us be more sophisticated in the way that we approach having just an attractive man. This felt like out of all the ones you mentioned, Jacob got, I, was, I don't know, was, he didn't get roasted the worst. He got adored, admired the most. Objectified, maybe? <laughs> Objectified, thank you. That is yeah. the word I was looking it, for. I was all flustered like, when you said Pedro Pascal. See, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, I'm glad I threw him in there. So yeah, four yeah. out of five of Chloe's, or three out of five or four to five, if we count Pedro, which why would we not count Pedro? Um, we're, we're like attractive men 
And so maybe SNL is like, let's put our most attractive female cast member to play alongside them. Because if you remember the reggae Jean Page um, monologue, they had a lot of the women fawning over him, kind of like Rosebud Baker in the monologue this week. And then we had the acting class. We had the AA sketch and um, the short King sketch. So we had basically like three and a half pieces that included a Lordy that were about him being hot. So Sam, I'm going to go to you. So last time you were here, you did some, uh, let's call it some Sam Smith sound segment and you're going to do it again for us. So I'm going to put on the screen your uh, diligent research. All right. You do that. I, and I will explain the research. Uh, the research was uh, listening to the audio files of these sketches and counting and tallying off uh, the laughs of each sketch. So basically counting how many laughs each sketch got. Now, what is a laugh? Uh, I think we can all agree what a laugh is and what it isn't um, in how long it's sustained and how energetic it is and also the decibel level if we're talking um, actual actual analysis here. Um, but I wanted to uh, differentiate between a laugh and a kill. A kill being a real gut punch of a laugh, something that really goes off great. Um, and also maybe sustained. So a high quality laugh, we could call it. Uh, so each sketch was analyzed for how many laughs it had, but also how many kills it had. And if there were kills, who was responsible for the kill? So this chart uh, has a list of all those uh, numbers. So should I throw it back to you, Mike? Do you want to say what, what it is or should I keep going? You want me to give the, uh, the kill count? Let's see the kill count. Yes, I have a yeah. kill breakdown with a very aggressive font for kills <laughs> to really head home the point of the, the 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 impact of these funny of these funny people. Yeah, I mean, you want to rack up a good confirmed kill count if you're on SNL. <laughs> That's so right. We have at the top JJ and Bowen tied for the most kills this week with eight. Followed by our host, Jacob Elordi, with seven, Ego and Heidi with four, Chloe and Mikey with three kills apiece, Keenan, who we did not see much of, two kills, Molly with two kills. And I imagine that one of them had to be them doing like goofy antics in, as Harold in the Short King sketch. And then Punky Johnson and Sarah Sherman with a kill apiece. That's right. You nailed it with Molly, uh, with Molly Carney as Harold, the uh, the most hilarious person <laughs> on earth, which just kills me. Uh, still, just thinking about uh, that one, and also Molly Carney's um, getting back to Jacob Alordi and saying, as you were saying, you were talking about giving women the dicking of their lives <laughs> with, with uh, yeah. their second kill. Um, so yeah, exactly. It's one of those one of those things uh, you know it when you see it kind of thing with with kills. Um, some it was down to the wire figuring if that was a, a good one should be considered a kill or maybe just a wound. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, but uh, anyway, I I went through and each sketch 
sort of put put a little tagline about what the kill was um, and made a sort of top three of each sketch. So I'll go to I'll pick a sketch here. I thought this would be fun. I, the bowling pin sketch. Probably the most one of the most memorable sketches of yeah. the night. I my, feel my favorite for the night. Same. Yeah. And I'll ask you as people who have seen more episodes than I have, is this a typical placement for the best sketch of the night where the monologue, uh, the cold open has finished, the monologue has finished, maybe a pre-taped thing, and then boom, the first sketch, because that's where it seemed to be placed. I would say, Sam, for sure, because I've done some, I do a lot of first sketch analysis, and I, I've kind of gleaned from my research that the first sketch of the night is kind of lowest common denominator it's to, i think it's to keep people watching who might have watched if they like political cold opens and they, or if they tuned in just for the host and they want to watch the monologue the first sketch of the night is typically a game show or a pageant or something that everybody can relate to if you like snl if you don't like snl you might just see it and go oh they're doing keenan's hosting a game show and you know anybody can get it the second sketch, and like you said, Sam, they usually do a pre-tape after that, and then they'll do a, the second sketch, and I fully think that that has the best kill rate, to use your term for me. Kirsten, what, what do you think about the sketch placement for that? Yeah, that, that logic makes sense. Um, there's got to be a bit of a formula to how they map out the timeline of the show. And by the way, the bowling pins was the third sketch because we did right. have the Entertainment Tonight lip readers, but I've, I kind of grouped those in together because they're kind of mid-show sketches before music and before update. You're right, Mike. I just realized that. And, and back to a, a piece of uh, statistics that are not on the screen, I had the, uh, the sketches that had the sort of top kill rates. So in other words, the top three sketches of the night, number one was lip readers and uh, happened to be placed in that sort of number one spot. N number two was the bowling pins. And number three, just by my calculation, was Club Shay Shay. Um, but if we're going uh, sketches only, live sketches only, acting class would be number three. But uh, those three, I'll say it again, Lip Readers, number one, bowling pins, number two, and Club Shay Shay, number three, is kind of the three most potent sketches of the night. And uh, I'll... I'll let you all guess what the bottom one was of the night. This is not including Weekend Update, by the way. Was it Garrett from Hinge? Terrific guess, Mike. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to speak ill about my beloved Garrett from Hinge, but I, I'm, I would say, I mean, I, I think the audience is pretty down that night. So that's a 10 to 1 sketch. It could be a good candidate. But I think the least amount of like laughter was probably in the acting class. But there was probably, you know, there was a little wooing for Rachel when she sat down. So I, but that didn't have a lot of like big punchlines. And I'll go with that just to be different from Kirsten. Very good. Very good. Uh, well thought out answers from both mm -hmm. of you. Actually, not from you, Kirsten. You just said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Mike. I know, I know that why through. you said it, though, because you are correct. Garrett from Hinch is the, I guess, loser. However, it won my heart completely. Um, <laughs> something about it, I still think about it. I want a full-length Garrett movie. I want to know everything about Garrett from Hinch, who he's killed before, 
<laughs> and uh, I was just, I, I loved every second of that sketch. The fact uh, that you leave your wife for a man because of his Stewie Griffin impression, his mediocre Stewie Griffin impression, you would leave your entire life just to be with this man is just an amazing, I'll, I'll just, I can't stop thinking. You take the bromance. Mike, yeah. I'll say by your thought pattern there, I was ready to say I should have picked acting class because that that made sense. But yeah, Garrett. And uh, Sam, I did do a comparison of the other guy from Hinge, which I mentioned Kirsten was on with me after Travis Kelsey episode. And that's where we saw Garrett. We met mm-hmm. him for the first time. And so I looked at him like, what? Was this sketch like a complete remake? Because there's been a lot of discourse about Lisa from Temecula and how they remade it too soon and how was it worse and how was it, why wasn't it as good? And I thought this was as good. If you liked Gaffer Hinge the first time, you're going to like it again. And so Bo and Yang screen time in the first appearance of Garrett from Hinge, 2.37. That's 2 minutes, 37 seconds. Uh, this time, two minutes, 34 seconds. So it was basically the same amount of Garrett we got. And we did have a cut Garrett from Hinge earlier. He was Garrett from Facebook Marketplace that was cut earlier this season. And uh, by the way, just to use uh, Sam's stats here, quick calculation. If you want to see, um, you know, so Sam has 222 laughs in the episode. And, you know, the average SNL is about 64 minutes, including music, which, you know, typically does not include laughs. So 222 laughs, 43 total kills, as Sam calls them, which is a 19.4% kill rate. I think that's pretty good for SNL. So, you know, Lauren Michaels, you should t- take this home with you. I will, f- I will finish this segment, Mike, with a, uh, a question, another sort of guessing question posed to both of you, which is I managed to to- uh, calculate the top, um, the top three kills of the evening. And again, this is just uh, volume decibel level, but also sustained how long the laugh was. Um, just the overall quality. You know, you know a good laugh when you hear one. So do you want to take a stab, either of you, at guessing the top three, basically, jokes of the night? Ooh. If you get one of them, I'd be, I'd be completely okay. just Obviously, shot. are they in the top three um, sketches that you mentioned? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. two, of, two of them are in the top three sketches that I mentioned. So you're, you're, I'll, I'll tell you what sketches they're in acting class and bowling pins. Okay. Two of them are in one of those sketches. Okay. I have, I have a guess for, for bowling pins. Go ahead. Um, only cause I think it might've been, I, well, I have, I have two maybe favorites, but I'll, I'll just pick one because the setup was so brilliant. It was Mikey Day and Chloe Trost, father, daughter, finding the cigarettes. And yep. if you continue like this, you'll end up in the goddamn gutter. Gutter. Yep. That's one of my selects. I also loved Sarah with We Found the Body of the Grobedale Killer, which now brings his total victims to nine. Uh, let me respond. Nine was number one. And Excellent. gutter was number three. Well done, both of you. 
Those were the two <laughs> biggest laughs, uh, or one number one and number three biggest laughs. So biggest kills of the evening. Number two was a laugh in the uh, AA meeting sketch. Oh, can I guess that one? Actually, I just thought, was it when Mikey Day said, oh, good, I'm so glad to hear that about if um, Slim Gomez is a likable hey, person. I'm sorry, AA meeting. I, I might have said acting class. I apologize. Oh, AA meeting. Okay. Um, Hold on, let me think. Uh, was it when she said all the men are at the game, and he said what game? And she said I don't know, Comic Con. Great line, made me laugh, but did not kill. Oh. And it's a, it's a pretty obvious one uh, if you think about it. I will reveal the answer. It was Punky's uh, topless moment. Um, oh, it was a moment, not a line. No, it, it, yeah. Oh, you're, okay. I might have totally blown this, but yes, that got the biggest laugh of the evening, or second biggest laugh of the evening, both in terms of boom, initial contact, yeah, yeah. Also sus- sustained laughter, and it I mean, caused, caused Punky to break. I think the line was Punky saying, "You know, is there any way we can support you?" Right. Maybe right. that was it. I don't know. That's right, and uh, and it led to a bouncing, uh, a bouncing thing. It was, it was, a, it was a whole moment. So I counted that. I counted that as number two. That was hilarious. And it broke her colleagues. Like, Chloe, beside her, broke fully. Completely. But uh, anyway, just to wrap up, number one was, yes, uh, the uh, the nine of the bowling pins. Nine was, was the top. And it was for me, too. Great, great build by Sarah Sherman. I mean, she really oh, yeah. leaned into that. It had like a 25, I think I, I calculated like just under 30 seconds of that whole build up just to have nine <laughs> just classic snl yes it 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 got me good um anyway uh i i, I don't have any any cool little fun top three facts anymore so i i i uh i close but i'll i'll try to i'll try to uh calculate this again for a future episode yeah That's please fun it's great because you know the the thing about stats is we can't be we can only be objective with stats and this is the closest we can be to subjective with what's funny because how can you really quantify funny it's impossible but you can quantify the room that funny occurs in um so we're going to do a quick look at hosts because we, at the top of the show you know after we did fart court, you know, we ruled in, we looked at screen time and Jacob Elordi, we talked about him, you know, being objectified in the writing. So I want to look at his um, screen time real quick, go around the, uh, the, the panel here and just think about hosts that have low screen time. So I just put up a lot of hosts on the screen. I went with sub 18 minute hosts and I think you're going to find the most random hosts on here. I think for good reason. So I'm going to ask Sam and Kirsten to kind of just scan through them real quickly and um, think about, is there any common denominator here? Are these generally sub-average hosts versus above-average hosts? Because if I showed you the top screen time hosts, you would say, oh, that's obvious. It's former SNL cast and and people who have been at the show many, many times and double duty hosts, of course, who perform 
So I'll I'll look I'll, I'll give you I'm not gonna read all of them for you, but this is every um, since season forty four every host who's had sub eighteen minutes, and the average host gets over twenty. So Jacob Elordi was definitely a low screen time host. So I'll kind of read you hosts who have similar stats. So Elordi again had sixteen minutes twenty six seconds. So around him, like in the same areas, like. Kit Harrington from season 44, Rami Malik from 47. We have Jason Bateman from 46, Kirsten Stewart and Anya Taylor Joy. Um, Carrie Mulligan below um, uh, Alordi was um, Regina King, Quinta Brunson, Sandra O, oh, Jonathan Majors, actually Jonah Hill in his um, uh, fifth time hosting, Willem Dafoe, Elon Musk, Tim- Timothy Chalamet's first time, um, Phoebe Waller Bridge. So there are some things I've learned because some of these were COVID impacted. So if you see the bottom of the list, you see uh, Kristen Wiig and Tom Hanks from the SNL at Homes. And Paul Rudd with the Omicron episode where there was no cast. So some of them do make sense. Or Issa Rae and Chris Rock who were hosting at the beginning of 46 with a limited cast on the stage and limited audience in the studio. So those make sense to me. And if you're watching with us, I also included the power ranking because you can see that you know the reason that stat exists is to differentiate um, screen time from appearances and put it all into one number. So you can see hosts that I think overperformed. I think we all agree Timothy Chalamet's first episode was great, at least in my opinion. You know Jonah Hill coming back for his five timer episode. Quinta Brunson nominated for an Emmy for that episode, low screen time. So the power ranking does correlate, I think, to strong hosts. But I want to just, you know, now giving Kirsten and Sam a moment to look at it. Do you see anything here with these like low screen time hosts? Um, Sam, I'll go to you first. Sure. So these are, so what we're looking at um, is a list of people that are on the low side. Is that correct, Mike? Yes. These are all the lowest screen time hosts I've ever recorded. So I have stats from 44 to present at the moment. So yeah, you you were just naming a, a couple of people. I'll, yeah, I I see them, and I'll just say just what stands out to me because I don't know so many celebrities these days. I feel so old, but I'll just say the ones I recognize, like Rami Malek, Sandra O, oh, um, Jonah Hill, Elon Musk, Timothy Chalamet. I mean, I'd say the the real thing that stuck out to me is what stuck out to me as I was listening with a very uh, attentive ear to the laugh tracks as I was doing my analysis is that Jason Alordi, for whatever reason is just not a funny person. And it was clear hearing him make these jokes that he was given that he just didn't have the ability to regularly get laughs or be given like really big comedic moments. And everyone on this list here, Mike, as far as I can tell, and this is just obviously subjective, but like it's not a funny person and uh, couldn't handle big moments. Like I think of who's not on this list is Adam Driver, who recently was that baby in the airplane. And that's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And the camera just wants to be wants to show every moment of that because he's whatever whatever he has, he has that ability to be funny and get huge laughs. So that's my guess. It's a little a little mean, I guess, but it's, that's just what I feel. You're touching on a good point, which is I think for the most part, you know, I did uh, 
mention like the Chris Rock and Issa Rae, people who are funny, but like also Bill Burr was like right above 18, but he had a long monologue as a stand-up. We're like in- impacted by COVID. Of course, if Paul Rudd had a proper five-timer episode, he would have been much higher. Of course, he was in everything in that episode because no one else was. But I think you're pointing at probably something good, which is we're seeing, that's what I mean about like diverse, like people who are not known for being funny. So that's why I pointed the power ranking. So if you want to tune in on YouTube after you hear this, if you're listening on just audio, you can see that the power ranking does kind of highlight hosts who stood out. But we're seeing a lot of serious actors. So, um, you know, we do, we do have, um, you know, Adam Driver just hosted for the fourth time. So we, we do have one driver on there early. Um, there's also like Rachel Brosnahan, who was actually outscored by Keenan in the episode. Keenan Thompson had more screen time in the Rachel Brosnahan episode than the host did. So more time than Rachel. And then um, Simu Liu, I thought was a fine host, you know, wasn't necessarily Ooh. very funny, but I, you know, I thought he was pretty great for what he had. Um, was just kind of like not in a lot. So, but I think this is a greater question about writing for hosts that you just don't know what you're getting. So Kirsten, I'd love to hear your take on th- these, you know, total potpourri of names on the, on the screen right now. <laughs> I'm glad you gave context for some of those folks at the bottom because my jaw was on the floor at first. Um, you know, like I went, Paul Rudd, what? Um, and then you see people like Elon Musk and I think, yeah, makes sense. Like, you know, overall, I think there are going to be times when they don't quite know what to do with people. You know, Rami Malik, I'll just pick on him for a moment. Um, you know, we don't think of him as a comedic actor. Um, so there were probably just some speed bumps in that writing room while they were figuring out where to go with that. I think that is sometimes what may happen here. Um, and then I think the other big part here is just background context. Um, you know, were the, was the person less available during that writing week? Were they just not cool to work with? Were they actually just not good at live TV? And that was discovered by the cast as they were going through the process. So there's that wild card kind of gamble. I'm sure that they vet people before they go on, but anyone who's had to get up and speak in front of an audience, even just in a boardroom, probably can recognize or relate to that feeling that takes over when you're there in front of people in the moment, no matter how much you prepare. So there could have been a bit of, you know, cold feet that were being felt. Maybe someone's just a jerk. Who knows? So I think some of those things may play into some of these. I don't know any of that for sure, but I can't help but think about the information that we would never know that is in the background of, of what decisions are being made. Um, otherwise, it's, I don't know, it's, it's maybe a little bit of luck too, right? You get writers in a groove, the team in a groove, great material has come out, things get cut, it gets so subjective. So there are probably a couple in here that were just, you know, bad luck of the draw also. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, I'm so glad you said that because there are so many factors that play into so many aspects. That's why I have these spreadsheets because I'm always trying to find some common ground and then double checking my work and then trying to find, oh, is there a reason that this is skewed? And is it something I'm not seeing? 
And I think that, of course, is recency. So we've only had of my stats is five and a half years of, of data. It's not a small sample size, but if I had back to 10 years earlier, um, as I go back and record more data, but I think that there will be a direct correlation. I think my data will prove it over time that hosts that have less screen time are less likely to come back. So I, I think if you see these names here, a lot of them are people who were just famous at that right moment to promote their shit. You know, just mm -hmm. they have a hit show or a hit movie. And it's a good idea for them to be on SNL, like maybe Jacob Elordi. Um, and like, you know, Kit Harrington coming at the end of Game of Thrones. Like, is he funny? I don't know. We'll find out. Put him on SNL. So right. maybe he's great. Maybe he's terrible. So we're seeing these kind of serious actors promoting their stuff. And that makes sense to me. And so there's, of course, if you go episode by episode, you can find 15 different factors. But if, looking at this just raw data list of screen time, there's, I think there's going to be a direct line to like, will they be asked back? And I could definitely, I would predict if I had to bet money, like Jacob Elordi will probably not host SNL again. Sam? That would be my guess too. And, and I'll just say on an audio, from an audio perspective, because I analyzing the show uh, for the kill breakdown is such an audio experience that I was in of just purely listening to laughter, but also what, cause that laughter from an audio perspective and almost everything every time Elordi really got a good moment off was when he was really loud and vocal either saying PETA doing his Peter Griff or Lois Griffin impression or as a lip reader doing his uh, Travis Kelsey impression when he really was explosive like that and um, it just sort of goes to that idea of like, you know, if someone's really, really loose and kind of silly, uh, that's going to usually win the crowd over, especially if you're a celebrity, if you really, really make a, are, are able to make a fool of yourself and take that kind of a risk, it really pays off for you. But, uh, yeah, I, w I wouldn't imagine we'd see him again. I brings me to a quick question though, Mike, he's Australian, right? This guy, mm -hmm. Jason yes. Lord? But was he doing? Was he hosting SNL as an American accent? No, I mean his monologue and Good Nights were his in his native accent. But not, in other words, in in the AA meeting, he did not play as himself an Australian man. Correct. No, he was yeah, he was American. I think throughout. Right. Okay, interesting. Just 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 real just realizing as I'm as I'm talking, that's why I brought it up. Kind of an yeah. odd thing. Hard to be hard to be your your best self in an accent, I suppose. Right. I mean, Margot Robbie, same way when she hosted um, uh, about six, seven years ago. Young. He's been acting for five years and he's like been, think of the world that he's entered. Again, if this had happened five years from now, I think that looseness you talk about would have been, there'd been more confidence behind that. Um, so if he's not asked back, you know, he, he had a great opportunity here and he, he didn't shit the bed at all. Um, but he's he's just so young. He's a kid. Yeah, he's a it's kid. just and 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 I I think unfortunately for a lot of SNL fans, you know, it it does feel like uh, sort of it it calls back to the cafeteria. You know, it's definitely the the theater kids and the comedy nerds 
and in walks, uh, you know, the, the jock from the other side of the cafeteria. And we feel a little protective over this uh, institution that, you know, we, we want the laughs. We want the, the, the hosts who really go for it. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, but it, again, like you said, Kirsten, it's hard, it's hard for someone like that to know and navigate an American show, American comedy, you know, staple and pull it off. So you're right. He didn't, he didn't do horribly, but SNL hopefully should take, SNL should look at our numbers is what SNL should do. <laughs> and really I sign that. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up the night and look at the current state of the cast in the power ranking. So stat we finish up with every week, just looking at, you know, it's hard to remember sketch by sketch, host by host, every episode. So, you know, I had this color-coded graph for you to look back and see. You can trace the name of the cast member and say, was that a good stat episode for them or a poor stat episode for them? And it's a direct correlation to their average, of course. So nine episodes of data now from Pete Davidson all the way back in October to Alordi last Saturday. And um, I'll read them for you now. So we have a new king in town. A short king, maybe. Bowen Yang <laughs> has now taken the top spot. So I mentioned that Keenan was on top all year last year. So Mikey Day has been top of the pack since episode two. Because, of course, episode one, it's not an average. It's just one episode. Keenan had a great episode with Pete. Um, it was his best of the year. He had 141 um, score in that episode. Power ranking considers appearances. It's weighted with um, screen time, all that stuff into one convenient number. So now, Bowen Yang, number one, with 101.2 average. Mikey Day right behind him at 100.4. Big drop off to um, three. Heidi Gardner, 91. So clearly the leading lady of the cast. Big drop off again. Colin Jost, of course, eats up a lot of screen time on the update desk, 81.8. Another big drop-off, number five, Ego Wodum at 70.8. And now Keenan, outside the top five for the first time in probably six years. So that's wow. the storyline I'm following. Keenan Thompson, he's at a 69.9. Chloe Feynman at number seven, 67.9. JAJ, 67.7. Michael Che, 61.5. At number 10, a featured player ahead of his um, predecessors, he's at a 54.9. His predecessors being Sarah Sherman, 50.2. Broke her tie with his mukes. They had a three-decimal point tie going into the break uh, with Sarah and Andrew. Andrew's in a, out at a 48.5. He had a down week um, this week. Devin Walker at a 40 even. Punky Johnson moving up. She had a great episode with uh, Alordi, 65.5. Her average is now to a 39.7, which ties her with Chloe Trost. So that means Punky's ahead by a small fraction ahead of Trost because she's also at 39.7. Then Michael Longfellow continuing to, to drop down at a 31.9. And then Molly, they're at a 27.4. So Kirsten, it's been almost a year since you've seen a state of the cast, every piece of data that I have goes into this one number. If I was talking to the Kirsten of last year, what would her reaction be to seeing this top five or top 10? I would be happy that Bowen is at the top because I'm a huge fan and I think he deserves 
to be at the top. He's an incredible performer, uh, and uh, I just really appreciate his comedic sensibilities. Um, I overall, I'm just thrilled that this is what the cast looks like these days because I've also been watching SNL from season one, and there is a very big difference in the members of the cast, who they are, and quite frankly, what they look like. And so if I zoom out, I am just thrilled that, you know, all of these fantastic people that wouldn't have had an opportunity on the SNL of previous, previous years, um, were able to talk about like this. Um, so I'm not surprised that, you know, like Ego, of course, she's fantastically talented. Chloe came on, came in hot with all these impressions. Like this all makes sense. And then you look at people like Mar Marcello, who you think rising, rising, we're going to see him climb. So it makes sense. Like it, it feels right based on the, how memorable their characters are, kind of the trajectory that we saw people like Bowen taking when, you know, he started really nailing all of his weekend update characters. And so, you know, that, where we saw them going is where I expected them to be. So uh, it makes sense. Keenan had to go down if other people were going up. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, big time. I mean, the storyline of Marcelo being ahead of Sarah, Andrew, and Punky. Um, of course, you know, Marcelo's could be ahead of his other um, co season 48 rookies. You know, someone's going to be on top. And as I mentioned, Longfellow now is behind in screen time compared to Molly, Devin, and Marcelo in the season 48 class. But to be top 10 as a featured player is no small feat. You know, we saw it with JJ, but we always could say, well, he's top loaded. He's in the, he's in the cold open as Biden and Trump. So he's getting like solid camera time right away for an extended period of time. But with Marcelo, he's earning it with smaller parts and leading sketches, not cold opens. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very notable. And I, I just like, I have kind of a soft spot doing these stats for people who like just like, just rake in like 50s because it just means that they're not really like weekend update darlings or political impressionists. They're just like sketch players. And to me, that's Sarah Sherman and Andrew Dismukes who just kind of consistently, you know, they ebb and flow, but they're always around a 50, which is, that kind of right in the middle range where like a, a Kate McKinnon was like scoring almost a hundred every week and a hundred power ranking means you had a great episode. So if you look at Bowen Yang scores, he had a 122 with Pete, a 185 with Momoa, a 140 with Emma Stone, a 95 with Kate uh, before the new year and a 143 this week, which is um, his second best of the year. So Sam wrapping up the evening what do you think of the season 49 cast? Yeah, I, I, I like the top three um, in that I think after viewing this episode uh, many, many times, which I did for, the, for analysis purposes, I came away feeling like the three most talented members of that cast are Bowen Yang, Mikey Day, and Heidi Gardner, in my opinion. And the reason that I had, and I had that all ready to go, so it's it's interesting just to see it uh, lined up this way based on screen time, is that they all do something really uh, SNL 
that, that I love about SNL, which is they tell a story of their characters that's happening off screen that we get to imagine. And I'll, I'll give sort of one in, in each one example pops to mind, which is that uh, Heidi Gardner, when they were bowling, for example, they can throw her a line like, oh, a pretty girl like that, uh, wouldn't she shoot between her toes? Which is just such an ugly, dark thing <laughs> to say. <laughs> that it's almost like uh, this character that Heidi Gardner is playing is like this horrible sociopath. So she's, we're t- she's, the skit gets to tell the story of who this, per- this, this person is off screen. But of course, that's not the center of the, ca- of the sketch, but it just heightens the sketch. And Mikey Day, uh, Kirsten was mentioning before, who uh, loves that Selena Gomez is a nice person in real life. Such a silly thing, but such a real character. Uh, that each of them are able to bring this like darkness that is uh, this off screen of like who are these strange people uh, that live amongst us? You know that that I think those those three are the people that perform that the best. So it it makes sense to me that they have the most screen time because I'm sure they're just fun for writers to bring characters to life. You know what I mean? Well said. Love that analysis. And and as I mentioned, this is not just screen time. It's it's leading sketches and all that stuff. So I think the people that were clamoring for when are Heidi and Ego going to get their shot? You know, they're so in the shadow of Kate, 80 Cecily, like we're getting it. I hope you're appreciating it that Heidi and Ego are the star women of the cast. Finally, they've waited in the wings and now they're here. So you have Ego, which is, you know, we didn't talk about enough. I, I listened to the round table today. It was mentioned um, um, from John on Monday night, but, like ego having that pre-tape and being cat williams like just the charisma of anyone i've ever seen on snl to just lead that sketch you don't even consider that it's ego and drag you're just it's ego being funny and like being cat and and devin walker by the way being such a great straight man by the way awesome shannon sharp impression it just felt like i was re-watching that interview with cat williams so Someone like Ego doing that, or like Sam said, Heidi in the uh, bowling sketch, and then we saw them both in a two-hander being the E.T. hosts in the lip-reading sketch. So if you've been waiting for new SNL, like you got it. Like Appreciate that we have tons of diversity in the writer's room, in the cast, and we're getting just new content from that. So with that being said, we're going to say goodnight. Um, so I will have to mention that we had a great hot take show on Saturday and we had a great round table. So if you didn't get enough tonight, and you have us knew it, please go back and listen to John and his great panelists. And then out of nowhere from the top rope, we had a Dismukes interview drop last night. So go listen to Andrew Dismukes. We have the SNL story series. So if you're keeping track, we've now had Mikey Day, Heidi Gardner, um, Andrew Dismukes, and Punky Johnson. So four of the cast currently have been on this very podcast. So, I mean, what more can you ask for from John Schneider that he's getting these great guests? So go listen to this Mukes interview. Kirsten, loved having you back. I just think that your SNL takes are so sharp, and I love your perspective. Anything that the listeners can check you out, um, see what you're up to. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Generation Women show. We had our seasonal show last night. Went amazing. Our next one is April 16th. So if you're in the Toronto area, please go to generationwomen.ca. Come support 
uh, female storytellers. Awesome. I wish I was closer to go see that because I have been to Toronto, but not in a long time. Um, so maybe catch a sock series with the Blue Jays and go see some good stories and go meet Kirsten because I'd love to hang out with you. Um, Sam, so great to have you back. You know, a year a year later, looking at this, it's been a blast. I love the sound analysis. Just adds a whole layer to what I'm doing. So I really appreciate you. I'm what so you say glad to the people. I'm so glad it was fun to do. Uh, I have nothing to plug, but uh, with all these interviews that the SNN is getting, at some point you realize you're going to have to start making stats about people appearing on the SNN from SNL. You realize this, right? And yeah, then the man, I just gave you the count itself alive. Which I will mean, be we, we've had we've had great. You know, we we had Daryl Hammond on. We had Dean Edwards on. We've had, you know. Um, but how long were they on is the question. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's that's easy to do. I'll leave that to you guys. I'll leave it to the, to the uh, the great listeners. But it's just uh, crazy that we started this SNL Stats back in 2020. And now here we are. We get a weekly stat show. We get a weekly hot take roundtable. And we get to hear from the people themselves um, who make the show we love. So with that being said, Kirsten, thank you, Sam. Thank you. We will be back. We have Dakota Johnson and Justin Timberlake coming back. So if you're checking your calendar, it's not 2024. It's 2006, 2003. I don't know. Cry Me River was in my top 100 songs I made on Spotify. So uh, maybe we'll get an in-sync uh, reunion. Who knows? Followed by um, Ayo Edabari and Jennifer Lopez back for her fourth time as the MG. So on Saturday night, tune into the Hot Take Show. And of course, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m., where I give you all the sports talk radio about the greatest show of all time, SNL. So for Kirsten, Sam, and Mike Murray of the SNN, thank you so much. We will see you very soon.